I'm in the house. You can't even really look at your competition because if you look at your competition, you validate your competition. So don't validate your competition because when you validate your competition, people start thinking that they have to choose between you and them. Like, no, there is no choice. We occupy the space. We own the space. But I would encourage, I don't know why as a culture we do this. We see somebody else. We see somebody selling one thing like, oh man, they make money selling LOCs. I got to sell LOCs. Oh man, they make money selling a stock course. I got to sell a stock course. They make money doing it. Like, no, the reason why we even had success is because we took our own path. Tweet Talk episode 71. It's lit. Woo time. Hot, hot. Hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the edge dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build yes. wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Rolex. <laughs> Episode Submariner. Looking at my rollie, it's about that time. <laughs> so you finally did it, huh? Um, yeah, you know, sometimes I feel like with goals, you can just think about it so much. And once when, when you start thinking about the same thing over and over again, it becomes unhealthy and you, and you can't ever really like progress in other areas unless you accomplish what's in front of you. So I was like, man, let me just go get this thing. And I wanted to, to see it in person because I always look at it on the Internet and the watch looks so different on person versus the Internet. And I was like, you know, I, I work in downtown LA. There's a jewelry district out here. Let me go check it out. Let me go see. So I was looking at looking at that stuff out there and I was like, I got it. I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. And like now it's now it's on to the next goal. And the next goal is probably not going to be a materialistic goal. <laughs> most of my goals, most of my goals aren't materialistic goals, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> Unless it's a building, if you go, that's a tangible exactly. goal. Yep. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. We are back again, your hosts, Raphael and Charles. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles at Todd Billion on Twitter. And this is Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, where we dissect tweets and talk about black wealth all day, a day. What's going on, Charles, besides buying the Rolex? <laughs> what's, what's new in Todd Capital World? I feel like... Um. Cause I was, you know, I was thinking a while back, like I should ask for updates. But I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't ask for every every episode. But it seemed like every day, so Capital is doing something, man. Something um, new. I would say first and foremost, we just recently cracked five thousand members in the Thai Capital Options community, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've been pressing towards for kind of a while. I mean, we have some ups and downs in the community. We lose members, we gain members, but the world is so big. It's like if you can't get five thousand people, if you can't get ten thousand people to 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 buy into what you're doing, maybe you need to become more valuable as a person. So yeah, that's that's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal, and not just because people think that money goes to me. Like no, it allows me to hire my family members. It allows me to invest in ventures that they have going on. It allows me to. Um, build up this views brand. It allows me to build up a tax brand. It allows me to 
invest the money that's going to be required to make sure I don't have to pay a bunch of money in capital gains or just regular income taxes. And so it's it's necessary. It's so necessary. People, they count your bucks and they're like, oh, so if it's 5,000 people and they paying him $19.99 a month, that means he making blah, 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 blah. And in the beginning, when it was only a thousand members, somebody was like, oh, man, this dude, Charles, making how much money off of us? I'm like, actually, I'm not making money off of anybody. We add way more value than you take. Whoa. And we, we, we're we giving you probably a thousand dollars worth of value for twenty dollars. And that's how business should work. It's just at scale. That's how black business works. We tend to think that like capitalism is a bad thing. We think that a black man having enough money to take care of himself and others is a bad thing, but it's a blessing, man. Everybody that I touch is blessed. I give so much stuff. I send Rashana money. I send people who work with me money. I just be putting people on. I've given everybody raises. We've put all our money back into making our properties good properties in the inner city. So it's like, if you give me, I'm good soil. I'm good soil. If you put money into me, I'm going to put money where it needs to be. And so that, I would say, is the most recent significant accomplishment, uh, looking at some more vending machine routes, but also, you know, trying to look at doing larger real estate deals, things that are going to make us M's. I want to focus on consistently making M's, not trying to get a few thousand every single month. I think I've talked about that. So it's tough because you want to completely neglect all those things. So like in the back of my mind, it's like no more vending machines, no more small rental properties, all the money that you have coming in, put that into a big deal. So I was looking at a $1.5 million property in Detroit. And I was like, man, I put 10% into this. And then I have the seller carry back 10%. And then we can invest whatever we need to invest into, into getting this good quality. It might take a half million dollars, but now we took a $2 million property turned into a $4 million property, and now we're making M's. Those are the kind of deals I aspire to do at this point. Big deals, not a bunch of small deals. I just, it's like a one-on-one consult for me. I don't want to do the one-on-one consults of business anymore. I'm trying to do the big deals, the big bag stuff, those five figures, seven figures, big stuff. That's what's going on in Tide Capital. Because y'all trying to get them ones, and he's trying to get them M's. Pretty much. And that keeps me right into the first tweet. Let's get into it. You, you jumped into it already. In fact, it was two tweets you had that I was going to talk, wanted to talk about. You said, every deal has to be a rich man deal. And if it's not a rich man deal, then I would rather just stash the money. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I knew that was going to come up. And that's why I didn't really discuss it too heavy. But yeah, um, why not? Why not? The goal is to be retired, then get rich. And so we're effectively retired. Either we're retired because we have the passive income or we're retired because we have enough money stashed to allow us five years of runway. So if we have that stash, we have that taken care of, then we can focus on hitting some big rich man deals. And so it's like, once you get to that point, it's like, you don't, you don't, you know, certain things aren't appealing. Like I told you, like $2,000 a month isn't appealing to me. $3,000, $4,000 a month is not appealing to me. Back in the day, it might've been, but now it's, it's, it's less, less so. I'd rather I'd rather put that same effort, that same energy into to blowing up and into having these conversations with developers and putting together all my thoughts. It's going to require thought to do these things. And so if I'm not in the space, if I'm not pressing towards that, if I'm not talking to the right people, I'm not going to be able to do those levels of deals. And so I'd rather completely neglect all that stuff and then be at the city council meeting, be at the planning meetings be meeting developers, be going to networking events, be taking construction classes, be looking and finding out what the city needs. That's where I'd rather spend my time so I can do that level of deals. 
I can't do that if I'm doing poor man deals, if I'm doing baby deals, if I'm doing thousand dollar a month deals. I can't get there. So it's it, it becomes a a matter of um, opportunity cost. If I invest my time and my energy and not poor man deals or in poor man deals, and I can't get to rich man deals. But if I neglect the poor man deals and I get a few good hits on some rich man deals, now we really talking. And that's what we always been here for. It's like a million's not a millionaire. I mean, it kind of is, but it's kind of not. We need multiple M's. We need hundreds of M's and we're going to get there by strictly focusing on M level stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's interesting. I, I, I talked to, I think I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before on the, the podcast, but I remember seeing somewhere Donald Trump was talking about why he doesn't do small real estate deals because he said they take this. He said, believe it or not, they take just as much energy as the big deals. I said, we just don't make big money. So yep, focus yep, bigger, yep. folks. Focus bigger. Aim for the deal you can't even afford. Like Charles said, I think in the last episode. <laughs> and exactly. And that's one of the things that I'm also looking to do. It's like, okay, well, do I have to put together a fund? Do I have to start talking to private equity? Do I have to start talking to venture capital? Do I have to start having those conversations? But now I have the time to have those conversations. It's very difficult to have those conversations when you're working a day job. It, it just, it's hard. And it's also mm-hmm. hard to do that when you're running around collecting pennies or you're getting dumbass text messages from tenants asking about an electrical system that they broke. I'm like, don't even, don't text me. I want to t- <laughs> like, don't text me. That's not my job. I can't, I don't even want to, I don't even want the emotional strain that comes with somebody calling me or texting me or just harassing me about a $200 problem. Take that somewhere else. Call the property manager because I, can, I I don't I don't need to get bogged down. Imagine what Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs would get accomplished if they're getting calls from every customer and the customer's like, well, I I had the power switch and the power switch didn't turn on the device. They wouldn't get nothing accomplished. Your job, your your focus shouldn't be on that the small details of what you're doing. And you had a tweet that's in a similar vein saying, "Major risk gets the big bag." Um, that was a. Uh, a currency line. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really have much to expand on that. It's just something I tweeted because it was dope that I heard. But one thing that I did cover in my mastermind group is making sure that you are listening to the right kind of rap music. Um, Dr. Boyce Watkins was talking about this because all, all the criticism that um, Ice Cube is getting. And I think D.L. Hughley said something about like, oh, he's a rap artist. He makes music. And somebody was like, well, there's a distinction between the kind of rap music that Ice Cube makes and the kind of rap music that 2 Chainz makes. Um, Ice Cube has always made kind of revolutionary music. And so his, his message is revolutionary, whether it comes through music or it comes through a book or if it comes through a speech, it's still the message. And so... Um, or on his own basketball league. Right. And so... I just I like to listen to rap music that is plot on a million music as currency called it because mm-hmm. it puts you in the right focus. It's crazy. Honestly, another reason why I wanted to get a Rolex is because I listen to a lot of Larry June and the way Larry June raps, you can kind of hear how much money he has. And I was like, I got more money than Larry June. <laughs> but also Larry June said he has four Rolexes he doesn't even rock. I was like, how come he got less money than me, but he got four Rolexes and I don't got no Rolexes. I was like, we need to, we need to change this. So um, I don't think I have more money than currency, but currency motivates me to kind of get out there and get to that point. More product, more merch, shipping these used bags. It's exciting because it's like, man, this is traction. Like 15 bags last week, 10 bags this week. 
Like just the fact that anybody wants to buy my shit is dope. So, right, right. Um, yeah, more product, less uh, hours worked. That reminds me, my daughter launched a company um, recently. You got to get her product. Um, so I have a question okay. for you. Okay. Why is it your daughter? Why is it your daughter launched a company and not your family launched a company? Um, that's an interesting question. She just did it on her own. Like she, um, she's out there. She, I mean, she lives on. She lives. She doesn't live with us. She's twenty three. She just up and did it. So I hear you. And this is going to be like a mind shift for all the listeners. Mm-hmm. But I feel like every business should be a family business. Um, so many people, we approach business like a job. And so it becomes individualistic. Like, this is my job, my job, my job, my business, my business. And I have this battle with everybody that I come across. My mom, my wife, <laughs> everybody. They're just like, oh, this is my business. I'm like, no, Thai Capital blew up. And it's not just me eating. It's not just me living well. Everybody eats. And so why don't we take that? Like, if your daughter's business blows up, everybody's going to live well. Because you shouldn't be aiming for job income from a business anyway. You should be aiming to touch M's. And not only that, the value and the power of you the value and the power of what you're associated with. Now you could be putting commercials for her product on your content and then getting that more impression to put in that on the social media and getting me to post it because people that you're connected to. And so I feel like when we take the individualistic approach to business, it becomes a, a maybe this might work. When you take the group approach to business, it's inevitable. Just like when you take the group approach to investing, it's inevitable. And so I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. I just, I don't understand why we as a culture always take the individualist approach when it comes to business. It's not, it's not an individual thing. Everybody eats. And so if we take, if we play our role in that business, realizing like, I don't got to be the CEO, but can I be a shareholder? Can I be, can I have some equity in this thing? You could be the boss. I just want some equity. Uh, Something to think about. Really something to think about. I told her I told her record record a 30 second spot. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's yeah. where that's what that's what we're about at Tweet Talks, man. I told Ebby, I was like, Ebby, why don't we got a commercial for your stuff on our content? I don't even want to charge you. Just get it on here. What's that? Oh, uh, Okiefa um shades? Yeah. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know his first name. So yeah. So um that sh- it should be a group project. Everything should be a group project, even if we don't get paid, because we will get paid eventually. Marlan right. brought me like five things of shoelaces. He didn't charge me anything for the shoelaces, but we've been giving him constant advertising for free. He had to do anything for me. I just gave, he gave, and you know what I'm doing now? I'm actually shipping out these laces with my views bags. Oh, I was going to tell you, he's actually paying us, bro. Oh, well, I mean, even still, the thing, the thing is, I don't really, I don't mean basically what I'm saying. We could talk, we could talk about that. Still, we're giving people value. And I think that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier even if I am charging you, I want to be giving you more value than what I'm charging you. So with that said, shop Get Laces, shop OKF for Shaves, and shop Raphael's daughter's business. Shout out to your, your, your daughter, your family's business, Raphael, your family's business. My family's business is Pure Body, co- Pure Body Company. Uh, you can pick up the product at shoppurebodyco.com. Raphael, you know what's crazy is you might think that I'm being a jerk. But okay. we have to be able to coach and build each other up. This week, I paid so for good. two coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. I paid for a coaching session with Jeremy Johnson. I paid for a coaching session with uh, Andre C. Hatchett. I paid them money to talk to them. I didn't say, hey, man, you the homie. Can I slide in your DMs and ask you a bunch of questions for free? I was like, no, <laughs> I respect your time. I'd rather invest in you as a black man and not try to rob you of your time or your knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. And I also want to see how I can level up my life. And I want to see how I can find somebody to hold me accountable for accomplishing the things that I said. I also put the consultation with Erica Williams. I'll be talking to her this week. Like, I just want, I need wisdom. I need education. And it's so funny because I know people, were, they used to say like successful people have coaches, but unsuccessful people think they don't need a coach. And so I was like, it's so funny because I do feel like I need a coach. I'm like, whatever I'm doing, I could do more. And if I got to tap into some other wisdom to get like a board of directors, like a virtual board of direct- directors, so be it. So, Rafael, I'm going to push you and you ain't going to like it, but we're going to get you to an M. If I don't push you to an M, I feel like having the ability to have somebody who's done it speak into your life is valuable, man. I'm just like, how can we do it? Get it on here. Do this, do this, do this, do this. I want you to win. I want you to succeed. I ain't trying to just be the only person that is doing things. Like, that's whack, man. Dame Dash. Dame Dash said the people from his school end up in Forbes. Forbes. (laughs) Right. And that is when you come from an abundance mentality. I think we've talked about this on the show, but Dame Dash went to a private school. At a private school, you ain't the one and only rich person. In affluent communities, you're not the only rich person. I don't want to be the only rich person. I don't need to be the only rich person. A lot of people want to be the only rich person because they assume there's not enough riches for all of us. And so that's why I'm pushing other people to get their M's. That's why I'm pushing other people to build their business and build it as a family business because that's how you guarantee success. Because I know that you getting richer ain't going to make me less rich. You being successful, it actually might make me more rich. Right, right, right. The more successful you are, the bigger platform that you have, it actually might make me more money. Yeah, it's like you touched on this too i saw your instagram from earlier your instagram live from earlier um it was short but good and you were talking about how if you if your people your friends are more successful then they'll introduce you to others more successful people and get you connections it can get you this and that and like it pays to have successful friends it really does it really really does even if you help make them successful a lot of us, we like, we don't want to help people win because like, well, if they win and I help them, they're going to be better than me and they're going to run off and they're going to stun on me. And I've, I've realized that I feel like that's why people won't help other people win. They're like, mm. I don't want you to be better than me. I don't want you to be Mr. Big Shot. But like, I feel like that is scarcity and limited thinking, because if that person that's connected to you is successful, they're going to bless you. It's I, I look at a lot of stuff and I look at all the stuff I've had to overcome to get to where I, I've gotten. And a lot of times I have to fight this spirit of resentment that comes up inside of me because there's people that I asked for help that didn't mm. help. And then you make it and it's like, it's you just be looking at them like, man, I I, I, uh, I I like literally begged you to help me make this happen. You look me in the face and we just like, nah. And, and it, it'll be like the people that are closest to you too, man. And, but those are the same people that want to spend your money. <laughs> they be like, oh, so you can spend money, but I can't spend money. I was like, I asked you to grind with me. I asked you, I was like, bro, Mm. Take care of this side of the business. Tag right. capital. Man, my, my wallet has like. Talk capitalism army. So just like to hit people really quick with a quick definition. I know some of you may, I mean, I've heard this one. Um, two definitions really quick. You all heard about dividends because of between Charles and I think especially Chris Johnson. There's a lot of talk recently about dividend stocks. I mean, what really got me into it was Erica Williams, but dividend stocks, dividends. Everybody's talking dividends now. And for the listeners, have you heard of a dividend aristocrat? A dividend aristocrat is an S&P 500 company that has increased their dividend for at least 25 years in a row. And a dividend king is one that has increased their dividend for at least 50 years in a row, which is crazy when you think about it. That is some kind of growth and some kind of value to increase your dividend year after year for 50 plus years. Anyway, that's this week's, this episode's definition. Okay, yeah, bye. Okay, yeah, bye. Okay, yeah, bye.
Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. And Charles, you said you were just talking about this when people compete we all make less money learn to create not compete well i've cited this book on this podcast several times the book is entitled the miseducation of the negro very insightful book um, you would think that it's about actual education and really it's about business it's a business book um and one of the better black business books that i've ever read I read it on audiobook and I kind of followed along on the actual digital book, just full of gems. But one of the points he makes, which is a principle, and I feel like sometimes we run into principles and we're like, well, I'm going to just be the exception to that principle. It's like, no, like that's a principle, bro. And so the point he says is if uh, an African-American man sees another person open up a, a burger stand and it does well and he's making money and he's like, well, I'm going to open up a burger stand, too then that second burger stand will probably kill both businesses. So instead of opening up a burger stand, why not open up a fish stand? Why not open up a hot dog stand? So this way we can complement each other, not compete with each other. Because when we start competing with each other, we start driving the prices down. We start making it unprofitable and then we lose. Or you might just get beat by the person who was there first. Um, the family business that I used to work with, they had a, like a burger restaurant on one corner and somebody was like, well, I'm open up a burger restaurant too, literally one block over. That restaurant lasted for like a year. But the owner, one lesson that I took from the owner is she was like, she didn't trip. She was just like, I'm focused on me. I'm not, I don't, I don't even see them over there, which I think is a good way to approach things is you can't even really look at your competition because if you look at your competition, you validate your competition. So don't validate your competition because when you validate your competition, people start thinking that they have to choose between you and them. Like, no, there is no choice. We occupy the space. We own the space. But I would encourage, I don't know why as a culture we do this. We see somebody else, we see somebody selling one thing like, oh man, they make money selling LOCs. I got to sell LOCs. Oh man, they make money selling a stock course. I got to sell a stock course. They make money doing it. Like, no, the reason why we even have had successes because we took our own path. So I'm encouraging you to, instead of emulating somebody else's path, and there's no knock against that. I just feel like it is a lack of creativity. It's laziness. It's a lack of ingenuity. It's lack of hustle. It's lack of drive. It's lack of belief in yourself because a lot of people, they don't believe in their own opinions. And that's why they just copy other people's ideas. They don't believe that what they're doing is actually going to uh, pan out. And so they're just like, oh, I'll just steal this person's idea. But we as a culture have to stop doing that stuff because we're killing our businesses when everybody wants to do the same thing that everybody else is doing. And my, you might think it's hot, but it's not. I just realized that somebody who bought a bag that I'm shipping a bag, I think uh, I'm looking at this. Yeah, they bought a bag in August and they just bought another bag. That's dope. I love return customers. I just see Hatches as a return cover. I just bought like four bags from me. <laughs> Nothing like a repeat so, customer. Yeah. So hey. I would just say like, even, even me, like I didn't want to get, like when I was looking at my business, like the other business, the views business, I was like, I'm not going to start a watch brand, even though they have a ton of watches that I could brand. I'm like, I'm going to let them own that space. You mm -hmm. own that space so I can go over here and I can own my space. I'm not competing with you in California because you own that space. 
it is very empowering to go to Detroit and know that I'm the man in that bitch. Like I dictate what goes on here. I have power. I have the ability to make cash offers. I have the ability to afford to do rehab. I have the ability to afford to maintain and do maintenance on these properties. I have the connections. It's empowering when you don't compete and when you own that space. And so I would just encourage people who are listening, do not compete. And if you find yourself competing, pivot out of that space to where you're competing. Even with podcasting, I don't want to do necessarily the podcast per se. I want to do shows. And so we're like, okay, well, how can we do a show? How can we broaden this out so we're not competing in the podcast space? Because it's getting very crowded in the the podcast space. I don't like... as a business principal, and that's not an insult to anybody else, but as a business principal, me wanting to succeed in what I'm doing, I can't compete. I can't go into the red ocean. I have to find the blue ocean because the blue ocean is where I have the advantage. The red ocean is all bloody and people out there chopping each other up, eating each other up. That's why it's red because they just cutting each other's limbs off. Like, don't listen to them. I got that guest. They're over here competing for guests. People stealing guests. I'm like, damn. So, And talking about creating, not competing, like two things after listening to you come come to me. Um, first thing is you say Andre C. Hatchet bought for like four bags already. You you talked about this earlier. You you just gave him money for a consultation and he turned right around and gave you money back. That's how you bounce a dollar, man. And another thing you were talking about how, how uh, somebody, you know, one black family opened up a burger stand and then another black person came along and said, let me open one too. I imagine if he had come along instead of trying to compete with another burger stand, suppose he had decided to make buns. Right. He could have gone there and said like, I want to open up, I want to open a bakery or whatever and provide you with some buns. And then you have complementary right. businesses. He could even and go so he's making the most fire buns. He could be because all his energy and effort goes into making buns. Then you right. can't get a better bun than somebody who only makes buns. Or even before he started busy, he could have gone to her and said, like, what is your pain point? What's the what, what's what's your biggest problem? Maybe you said, man, I need better buns. Or she would have said something else. And then he would have known what business to start. He could even come to her and said like this. Yo, I got this idea for a brand new sandwich that you might want to try. I think it will sell like hotcakes. And like, give her, give her the idea for free and said, and you use a special bun and I could provide you with the buns. We start with a nice, small, limited order. You know, you can order your buns from the big companies, but just give me a hundred buns a month or something like that. Try me out, a little pilot program and get started. There's a quote that I was, uh, I saw, I don't watch her too much, but Yvette Carnell, she was saying like a oh, lot of boy. times we'll, We'll see like a Chinese hair care business. And you think that the storefront is the business. Like, no, the business is everything behind it. And we don't realize like everything that she uses to supply that restaurant is a business. The the meat company, the lettuce company, the onions company, the, the buns company, the foil company, the oil company. All those yep. are companies that we should be owning and we could be owning and we could be building wealth without chopping each other at the knees. We have to apply some intellect to our entrepreneurship. We can't just be out here being ignorant entrepreneurs. Like even so much as like, okay, I see everybody's doing podcasts. Well, I got a podcast studio and it's high tech and I've invested in all the equipment. You have all the mics, all the lighting, all the recording, all the cameras, and you'll kill it. We have to start thinking of all the things that go into business, not just the most obvious things. But I agree with that 100%. Complimentary businesses, people. We got to start thinking vertically. Like he said, there's so much behind the business. So many products. Like, let's talk about sneakers for a second. 
okay, you buy, go buy sneakers for 200 bucks or even 50 bucks, whatever the price is. You go buy sneakers. You're thinking about, okay, Nike makes sneakers. All right. It isn't just like, oh, my, Nike just magically makes sneakers. You got to think about it. One of our sponsors, Get Lace Laces. What does he make? Laces. He doesn't make the whole sneaker. Mm-hmm. He makes laces. He sells laces. I, I don't know his, his whole business, how, how, if he manufactures it, but he sells laces. We're in the, we're in the process of helping him create his own shoe, though. On some big baller brand stuff. Whoop de whoop. <laughs> and even even with that, even with the laces, there's something on the laces called an aglet. Most people will not know this. The little plastic thing that goes around the end of the laces that keeps them from fraying out. They call aglets. There's some company somewhere making this thing. Or I don't know if they make the whole lace too, but they gotta get the plastic from somewhere to make that. I don't know if they make it separately and then on the lace. I don't know how it works. Or if it's all made in the same place. But still, there's so many things that go into every product you see and touch. You got to compliment each other. And I mean that compliment with an E, not with an I. Like, <laughs> like not tell people, oh, you look nice today. You could do that too. But anyway, look it up in the dictionary, people. Compliment with an E. So next tweet. In fact, before we get into the next tweet, let's get into our Black Billionaire banter. You got somebody for this one, uh, Charles? Or you? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll take this one. You could take it, man. So for this episode, our Black Billionaire is, for the last two episodes, we've talked about Sheila Johnson and Bob Johnson of BET. So we've been, we we took it back to the United States for the last two episodes. But Black Wealth is international. And you know what? Before you even get into the billionaire, you got to remember that Black Wealth is international. We, we are about Black Wealth across the globe, not just here in America. And I think this whole ADOS ADO thing is kind of silly. First of all, who wants to call them? Raphael, talk about it. I'll just go. <laughs> I thought you had something to say. This whole ADOS to me is ridiculous. I know for sure some of these listeners probably identify themselves as ADOS. I think it's ridiculous for a couple of reasons. Number one, why do you want to label yourself as a descendant of a slave? Like you don't need to label yourself that. We already know this. We don't need to label ourselves a descendant of a slave to remember that our ancestors were slaves. We don't need to do that. And it's not about we ashamed of it or we want to pretend like our ancestors weren't slaves. It's none of that. It's just, we don't need to put that label on ourselves. And number two, we got people talking about, yeah, we want reparations, we want reparations, but only for ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves. I kind of get that, but at the same time, it's like, it's divisive and it's like, you're making it even harder. Like now it's like, well, how do we prove who's an, who's, who's an American, who's a descendant of an American slave and who wasn't, who's from the Caribbean and who was from originally born and raised in Africa. And it's just crazy. But anyway, it's all about the, the diaspora. We, we, we are about global black wealth and we need to we need to think even bigger and even bigger and even bigger and hook up with our brothers and sisters across the globe, especially in Africa. America is, we're, we're the ones that they look to, but we need to link up with Africa and the Caribbean and everywhere. We need to go global. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move global. But for yeah. this- I feel, I, I feel like, what you call yourself matters. And mm-hmm. I I feel like seeking reparations is another form of welfare in that instead of trying to become great, you actually be, try to become helpless and defeated and lame so that you make yourself more of a charity case. I don't feel like that's an empowering stance to take. I don't feel like, so again, reparations comes great, but you know what's funny is I was watching um, the book, the video version of this book. Oh man, that was gonna happen. It always happens when I move my books. I want to get some chess pieces, though. That's what I'm going to order. I need some chess piece bookends. Capital in the 21st century, right? And 
what people don't know, probably don't, is the reason why there was a Holocaust is because Germany went broke. Why did Germany go broke? Germany went broke because they were in a war and they had to pay reparations to all the people that they whose countries they destroyed. They went broke paying reparations. Uh And so if you actually look at the history of reparations, people kind of aren't inclined to pay them in the first place. Um, So I just I just don't think it's a solution. man. so many people I know so many people that are getting free money. They, they get free housing. They get free food. That's reparations. Now go build something. You want reparations to do all the work for you. You want reparations to be like, oh, now you're rich. They ain't going to make you rich. They're not going to say, okay, here's a Bentley and a mansion. Like, no. They've, I feel like people are already getting reparations. They just don't see it. You're already being repaired. The, the plight that you feel like you exist in, that's why there's so many people that are on Section 8, EBT, all that stuff. They're getting fat tax refunds. Use that to your advantage. Leverage that. Invest that. If you have free housing, now you have the ability to hustle up some stuff. Now, I know that the system kind of situates it in a way where if you do become a hustler and somebody who actually is ambitious, you lose out on the free stuff. But that's kind of what reparations does for you as well. So now people are like, well, I mean, I can't because it's too hard. You need to give me reparations. It's just another form of welfare. I'm not a fan of it. I want to, I would rather us get it out of the mud than, than, than wait on it. If it comes, great. Bonus time. But I'd rather you have built something and get a bonus than be sitting around getting a bonus that never, might never come. Right, 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 right. Reparations is cool. But let's say it, it does make you rich. Well, what people think is going to happen? Like, suppose they give every black person $10 million in cash or at plus 40 acres and a mule. Then what? You still got to handle that money. You still got to manage that money. You still got to make it last for the rest of your life and leave some for your kids. But anyway, moving on. Like I was saying, our black billionaire for the black billionaire banter this episode is Strive Masiwa. I believe he's the only billionaire in Zimbabwe. Pretty sure he's the only one over there. But according to Forbes, as of April 7th, 2020, he's worth $1.1 billion. 59 years old, from Zimbabwe. He launched a mobile phone network called Econet Wireless in Zimbabwe in 1998. He's He made his, his fortune mostly in telecom and technology as a bunch of companies. Founder and executive chairman of Econet International Technology Group. Companies include Econet Wireless, Liquid Telecom, Cassava Fintech, Econet Energy, and Via Technologies. He sits on a bunch of boards, including Unilever, National Geographic, Stanford University, the Bloomberg New Economy Forum, and the Prince of Wales Trust for Africa. Dude is rich. He lives in London now, but he still keeps a bunch of business assets in Zimbabwe. And that is our, and he's fought the government plenty of times to get to get his fair share of his money. So he ain't scared of nobody. And that is our black billionaire for this episode. Strive Masiyawa. Masiyawa. It's from Zimbabwe. 1.1 billion. Lit. They out here, man. We are out here doing these things. Um, Speaking of politics... I was um, watching Dr. Boyce Watkins and he made me think about something. And I was thinking that like, we are so quick to cancel each other because we, we don't align with like all of our political views. Like, oh, well you, you are a Republican. So therefore you think this, this, and this. And I, I was thinking, I was like, man, like, no, I just kind of care about the business aspect. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> all the social stuff, all the whatever, all that other stuff. I don't care about that stuff. That's not why I'm voting. I voted for the business. And also on the other hand, a lot of people who are Democrats, they're, they they want good things for black people. So we all want good things for black people. It just looks different. And we always talk about this all the time on the show. You got to appreciate everybody's approach. But canceling people is dangerous. And we have to realize that we have more in common than we have 
not in common. And they were talking about how like a racist doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, they see you as black. It's like, so even if you in, a, even if you, uh, what do you say? Even if you're in the band, you're still an inward in the coop. Even if, even if <laughs> so, like that's the same thing that's true of the politics. So anyway, where we at, Raphael? Where we at? Next tweet is you said four years ago, folks were laughing and calling me out of touch. That's not another lyric. Yeah, right? no, I, that's actually like my genuine thought because when. Like when I was in college and when I was growing up, I've always been a different kind of thinker, always. And I've also kind of been a different kind of African-American person in a lot of ways. Mm. And not to say that different is better and not to say that there aren't other people who are like me, mm. but I've just found that like people would laugh. They were like, oh, like I never forget when I was, I was renting an apartment and I was like, I want to get a housekeeper. And so I had a housekeeper come up, give us a quote, and my roommates just couldn't fathom the idea of having a housekeeper. They thought it was funny. Like, I can't believe you really went out there and had somebody, somebody come out here. Uh, and the same thing is true about, like, my political views. Four years ago, they're like, this dude's supporting Trump. Don't you know he's racist? Don't you know he's this, he's that? And they were laughing. They're like, oh, Charles thinks this way. Charles, blah, blah, he's wrong. People, are, they think that, like, if you disagree with them, not only do they think that you're wrong, they think that it don't, it don't that thought process won't yield. So they think that the only way that they can get success is the way that they think that you can get success. So if you take a different approach, they laugh, they call you out of touch. They think that it's not going to play out for you. And then when it plays out for you, you get the last laugh because there's more than one way to do something. There's more than one way to achieve success in America. Yeah, you can get, while we're still on the topic of reparations, you can get that. Yeah, you can end racism and get success. But it's also possible to navigate through what exists and when. And so when you tell somebody that, they think that you are just insane because they can't fathom the idea of that. And also they can't even allow it to be true because then you defeat their defeated and helpless narrative. If you tell them that they can and their whole time they've been saying, no, we can't. We have to get this in order for it to work out. And then you win. Then they really like it doesn't even matter if they agree, but people, what would they saw me talking about Donald Trump? They saw me promoting these things and they thought I was a lunatic. They thought I was out of touch. They would laugh. This black dude thinks he's white. This black dude is out here voting for racists. This black dude is out here doing all this stuff and then it panned out. And one of the most frustrating things about it is a lot of these people aren't as educated as me. They aren't as experienced as me. They haven't been to the places that I've been. And that's not me downplaying somebody. That's me saying, put some respect to my opinion. All this stuff plays out. I know we like to say, oh, college isn't worth it. It's expensive. No, college makes you better. It does. Not just in the sense of, oh, I have a degree and now I can get a job. No, we've talked about this. The delayed gratification, the willingness to stick to a plan, the willingness to see things through. That's the same thing works with my investments. The same approach to my investments I have taken across the board of my entire life. I'm like, bro, it might take us four years to get this investment to pan out. But if somebody doesn't have that kind of mindset because they never went through those things, 
They're going to see an investment that doesn't pan out in six months. And they're going to say, this must be a scam. This must not be worth my money. I need my money back. Whereas me, I'm like, we're over here looking at properties that we've held. And now the market has come to us. I just interviewed RE Giant. This man bought a piece of property for $15,000, sat on it for like eight years Mm. and then sold everything for 600 grand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, so essentially what he did is he bought a piece of land for $15,000, actually a building. He bought it. It was like, it wasn't shit. This is a point in time. It was like 2008. Nobody wanted to be, he's in St. Louis. Nobody wanted this land. They probably thought it wasn't worth anything. But as time goes and people start developing and improving and bringing stuff back to life, now his value has increased over like five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so what he did is he put like $150,000. No, I think it was like 120 per unit. And so he invested 120 per side. So he was all in it for 240 plus his 15. He sold it for like 660. He made $400,000 in profit on that deal because he had the patience. He wasn't trying to rush the process. People who don't go to college try to rush the process. People <laughs> who don't go to law school try to rush the process. And so you got to realize like there's a level of wisdom that comes out of my mouth. And that's why I have so many followers. That's why I continue to get people that want to rock with what I'm doing or participate with what I'm doing because they see it. I don't talk or communicate like the average person just on the internet. And so when you disagree with me, you need to realize that there's wisdom in that disagreement. So just because you disagree with me, don't discount that. Don't just say, oh, Charles doesn't know what he's talking about. Charles got, I'm, I'm looking at like eight books just that I'm looking at. And that's not what's in my phone. That's not what it's at my house. I am a reader. So aside from the education, I'm also a reader. I'm also a podcast listener. I have a very informed opinion. And this is why I tell people that everybody's opinion in the black community isn't created equal. So just because somebody has a voice and they say some shit does not mean that we're created equal. We have a community where, because they have a platform, we're allowing Cardi B to speak for us. We're allowing other people of that stature to speak for us when we should be allowing educated people to have an educated debate. A lot of times what happens is if you're educated, but you're from the left, then we give you credibility. But if you're educated from the right, nah, he's stupid, he's whack, he's this, he's that. Like, no, they can debate and they can present their their issues just like Democrats and Republicans doing there. That's why they do that. They take their educating their elites and they allow them to come up together with an idea that works for all of them. It's not just how Democrats want to go. That's what we're going with. And so that's what I'm saying. It's, it shouldn't just be Charles rules, but I shouldn't be on here debating with somebody who hasn't accomplished what I've accomplished. And that's no ego. I just feel like that's the way it should go. They laugh. They laugh, man. And, and, and I had the last laugh. I had to laugh less because I always knew. I always knew. I knew what I was working towards. The thing is, you can't get certain things until a certain age or until certain things take place in your life. And so they'll see it like, well, if you were so like, if you know so much, why well, you ain't rich? Like we, we talked about before. If you know so right. much, why hasn't it panned out for you? Well, because I'm 28. Well, because I'm still in law school. Well, mm. because I haven't really been able to get my stride. And so I've been I've been pushing ever since I got out of law school. And now I'm hitting my stride. It takes about four to five years to really get it if you're working on the same idea. But I didn't have that luxury. So like I've said before, there are people who were, they graduated 25 and they just hustled. Now 30 was their breakthrough. Me, I didn't graduate till 30, 34, 35 is my breakthrough. And now I get to circle back and I get to look at a lot of people who thought they were stunting on me. And now I stunt. <laughs> you wrote it down and you followed through. 
So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to g- g- get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. He's a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. I was looking at my um, I was looking at my vision board and I was going over with my wife, and I actually took this vision board principle from uh, Doug Dept, very accomplished individual. It's good to follow what successful people are doing. Mm-hmm. And it has like six columns, one's like wealth, one's health. One's family, one's business, all these different things. And so instead of me going through the through the newspaper or magazines and clicking out whatever they had in there that just looked cool, I actually wrote down what I wanted to accomplish. And I was like, that's crazy what I've accomplished. And I want to read some of these things because it was just it was it blew my mind. Um, like I was like, I was just reading it for like one of them was um Wait, before how long ago was this from? It was in the beginning of the year, January. Cool, cool, cool. So it was so first and foremost, I have four to five hundred thousand single family residents in the community that we wanted to live in. I went and I Googled, but I Googled that area and I found the exact house. I printed it out and I put it on my board. I had no idea how I was gonna get this house, Raphael. I just knew I wanted it. Um, what else did I have on here? I have downtown LA home slash Airbnb. So I went to go take a look at the unit that I might be getting. Um, that seemed like a reach when I wrote it down. And sometimes the things that you're aspiring towards are going to seem like a reach when you write it down. But that's what a goal is supposed to do. It's supposed to stretch you. Um, I have leased or hacked office space for Thai Capital. $10,000 in business payroll, which I have now. Um, wait, a minute, Capital wait, a minute, slash- wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw this I saw this vision board on Twitter. And, uh, you wrote down the size of the payroll you're going to have? Yeah. I don't know why I wrote that, but I did. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? People, folks, when people do a vision board, they usually put down what they want for themselves or maybe for them and their family. Running down, I want a payroll of 10000 a month. That is not, that's not really for yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I still have this. It says uh, $1 million in gross income. Um, and these are all stretches. I had no idea how I was going to make it happen. Like, it's just the magic of being willing to write down what you want even if it's a stretch. Um, One of the things that was super cool is I had on here, where is it? Where is it? Oh man, I know I have it on here. Basically, I I put down that I wanted to fund my son's savings account with the business. And I was like, dang, I did that too. Yeah, I saw that. I think, um, what else? Work for myself, make my job, my side hustle. Like all these things I did. And it was just, it just blew my mind. Um, And so you better believe I'm doing another one. We're going to level it up and we just gonna walk into our destiny by writing down what we want. It works, and it it like the house thing alone blew my mind. Cause I was like, bro, like we we did it. We literally got our closing date. They gave us our closing date, November twenty third. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. And it was just it was just amazing. But a lot of these are faith principles that I was taught growing up. These aren't things I made up. So I grew up in a faith based prosperity teaching church, and so a lot of the princ- principles that I live by are principles that I was taught growing up. Principles that 
you don't even know that you're getting that game. You don't even know when you're going to apply it. You just know that that's all you've heard your whole life was walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Um, oh, there's another one. Call those things that be not as though they were. So it's like, I'm going to call myself a millionaire as though I am a millionaire. And people who haven't grown up in those spaces are going to look at you doing and acting on principles that come from those spaces. They're going to be like, this guy is crazy. They're going to laugh. And then you're going to get the last laugh. You also have on there retired wife. I do. Yep. Yep. Retired wife. Wife having her own business. Is that say healthy baby or wealthy baby? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's I think it's healthy because that was me being more like. Um, That's the love section. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's this one under 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 wealth under twenty personal doors? It says all something. All credit cards less than fifty percent. At one point in time. Oh. Okay, my, okay. At one point in time, my credit cards were maxed out. Man, it was bad. It was bad. And at that point in time, I was like, I got to get this stuff under control. And I had to write it down. And so, I mean, I don't have any credit card debt at all now, but. It, it seemed like a reach in that moment because I had like $30,000 in credit cards. Mm. So I had, to, I had to hustle. My back to the wall, ashy knuckles. Pocket ah, <laughs> filled but, with a lot of lint, not a cent. Man. So write it down. Write it down. Have a vision. Make it plain. Make it plain, man. And don't settle for what you think you can do in your current state. Definitely don't do that. So Charles, you said in a tweet, I invest way bigger than I spend. Um... Yeah, I think that um, people don't realize that I might buy something nice, but I also will put $100,000 to work in the stock market. Or even today, we're over here looking at doing this substantial uh, vending machine deal. So I walked a deal that the guy wants $50,000 for this thing. I walked in, I'm, I'm in communication for another deal and the guy, he wants $40,000 for this thing. So whenever you see me spending this, no, I'm investing way harder. Um, it might not be in your face, but it's going on. And I think it's a blessing because quite honestly, like I don't really like spending money like that. And also in the things, once you start spending big money, you start spending money on things that retain value. And so that's why like the watch is appealing because you're not really losing money. Worst case scenario, I get my money back. I sell it. It might even appreciate in value, keep it in good condition. Um, The same thing is true with like a Porsche, like Porsches retain their value. If you don't drive that thing like crazy and you're light on it, and I only really plan on driving it like on Saturdays, and it's so funny because we're talking about it. And usually if we talk about it, I'm going to get it. So it's like we talked about a lot of things and then it's like it manifests. So and I got a portion on this thing right here. So, um, yeah, if you see me, if you see me spending, I'm also doing a lot of investing and you should be doing the same thing. I think investing is more fun than spending. Quite honestly, I pay for the car with money that I made off an investment. Everything that I've done comes from an asset. I don't, I don't like it's the money that I spent on this watch came from capital gains, too. It's like once you get a lot of money and you invest it, the gains just flip and they just compound. So I was like, bro, like I made all this money in the stock market. I might as well buy something like that. Or in business, I was like, bro, I made $5,000 yesterday. Like I can buy a watch. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, you also said in the comments of that same tweet, you said never go full retard. Right. And and so that's an important thing to understand is I didn't buy like an iced out $100,000 Rolex. I bought a Submariner and a Submariner is still a pretty conservative Rolex. It's not like a date just or a day date, which is like around $5,000, but it's still a conservative Rolex. I could have bought a GMT. I'm not spending $20,000 on a watch yet, yet. 
It's still yeah. an investment. And so I kind of, I don't know. It might be kind of cool to own a GMT now that I think about it. But it's still conservative. It's not iced out. It's not over the top. And it retains its value. Um, the same thing with the Porsche. It's like, I'm not looking at Ferraris. I'm not looking at Lambos. I'm not looking at that kind of stuff. A Porsche is still a conservative play. And so while I spend, I'm still conservative in my spending. I'm still reasonable in my spending. We have office space, but I'm not I'm not buying into her trying to sell me on leveling up to the most expensive office space. We only get what we, what we need. So I'm a very conservative person still. And that's, I'll be trying to tell my wife, I'm like, wife, I know we get in the house, but you, you don't got to get everything brand new. We can take our time and ease into it. My right. uncle, my the most important thing is getting the house. She's one of these, my wife is this person where everything has to be perfect. And so she's like, oh, well, if we're getting the house, we got to have the backsplash. It's got to be painted this way. It has to be decorated this way. I'm like, can we just get the house, please? She's like, I want to get a closet laid out. I want to do this. And she'll be getting mad at me. Like, and that's what our wedding was. Our wedding was like, I was like, we don't need to do all this stuff for the wedding. She's like, no, it's going to be here. And I'm going to get a hotel here. And we're going to do this and that. And it's like, I just be focused on progress. What matters to me is progress in life. Progress, Raphael, is moving into ownership. Progress, because what will happen is people will hinder their progress because it's not fancy. I don't need the fancy. The fancy will come. Fancy might come five years from now. And that's all I was going to say. Like my aunt and uncle, when they bought their first house, they didn't have any furniture for a while, but they knew they wanted to be owners. And so making steps in the right direction is what matters, not necessarily like making the perfect steps. Because most people who believe in perfection, they'll never take no steps, Raphael. I'm action-oriented. And action-oriented requires, because success follows action, that requires you to be somebody who doesn't really get caught up on the details and somebody who doesn't really get caught up on everything having to be the right way this way. And granted, that helps. I'm glad that she brings that part because I don't I don't focus on that. And so she brings that side to me. And so if 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 I didn't have her, None of that stuff will get accomplished. And so we <laughs> do complement each other. That's I think that's the reason why like we're both necessary. And I tell that all the time. Like, we're both necessary. It's not just a matter of like, oh, well, I can go do this on my own. It's like, no, like you're 100 percent necessary to my life. Right, right, right. Shout out to the uncle. Um, I forget who was, I first heard this is like probably Erica Williams. She talks about how people are so set on getting their dream house that nobody gets a starter house anymore. People don't get a starter house. Like get the house that you can afford right now. You're not stuck in it forever. You can sell the house or keep it and rent it out. Get something that you can afford and then you level up later on. Life is long. Like think about how quick 10 years going by. Like life is long. You got time. Well, life is long. Get the house you can afford now and you can always and just push yourself and you level up later. And I feel like that's the reason why we're kind of in a in a housing crisis right now that nobody really knows is a crisis is because nobody's willing to sacrifice. And so if you're not willing to sacrifice, they're going to charge you non-sacrificial prices. And so it's going to be expensive to rent because people aren't willing to just. So think about it. Imagine if, if people took control of what was going on. They're willing to go live. And that starter home, now they can't sell these multi-million dollar homes anymore because people are like, I'm not going to live there. But if people are unwilling to do those things now, they can continue to jack up the prices on you. Because if you're not willing to live in a starter home because you have this way that you want to live, I want to live in a luxury apartment. Now they can jack you on the, on the luxury apartment stuff and they're only building luxury apartments. And so you're, you're stuck in this cycle of being fucked. And the way that you get out of that cycle of being fucked 
is sacrifice. The same thing is true about your job. The job doesn't pay you enough to live. The only way to get out of that cycle is to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice something. And that's why I'm, I'm big on the sacrifice. I'm big on the not being comfortable. Because if you're comfortable and you're not sacrificing, you're probably getting fucked. Raphael's going to end up turning that to the title. <laughs> I probably won't use that. I probably won't use that line for the title, but I'll figure something out. It probably, it probably is a good one, though. So you said also, I need a team for my taxes. Talk about that one. Um, so one of the things that I'm looking, one of the things that I'm looking to do is um, I got to figure out how I'm going to get these taxes down. And that looks like a lot of different things. It looks like making sure that we have the, the right corporate entity, making sure that we have the right election because we're trying to be taxed as an S corp as opposed to like a single member LLC, because that affects our taxes and our tax rate. Um, looking at what we can potentially acquire that's going to allow us to depreciate um, and wipe out a lot of the, the the income that way. But my mom, she helps me do that. But I think she's even going to need help because we're dealing with some like pretty advanced stuff right now. And so she's definitely the CFO for Tide Capital. But I think we also need to consult with like some tax specialists, some high level tax people who only deal in this stuff. And so now it's going to be her and we're going to have to bring in somebody else and probably bring in somebody else to really figure out how to do this and to do it right. Because we don't want to guess. We're not, we don't want to just figure it out. And so one of the things I told her, I was like, if I can save $200,000 in taxes and pay you $20,000 to do it, it makes sense. And so people will say, Donald Trump doesn't pay any taxes. Bezos doesn't pay any taxes. That's because they pay people and they have teams of experts and really, really smart people who stay up late trying to figure this stuff out to make sure that they don't have to pay taxes. So somebody's still getting paid and that person's going to pay taxes as well off of that income unless they find a way to finesse out of it too. (laughs) And so the the idea that people don't pay taxes is really an illusion because the government knows what they're doing. If they if they didn't, they wouldn't have all these things set up. So I just want to find the intelligent workarounds. It might mean acquiring some assets. And so that's why the Detroit deal looks good or even some of these larger deals out here look good. I've been looking at opportunity zones to figure out maybe I can run my capital gains into an opportunity zone so that I can shelter those gains that way and still invest. But like I was telling my mom, is on the other side of these problems is wisdom. So once we get through this, not only do we help ourselves, now we can package it up and help other people out because other people are probably going to have the same problems. And so that's why you have to run towards the difficult stuff and not away from the difficult stuff, because that's how you're going to to elevate yourself and elevate your community. But yes, I can't do it on my own. And I don't even want to try to like I'm going to I've got some good books. I'm going to read these books. I'm going to figure out what I want to do. I'm going to educate myself. But that's the thing is I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to become so much more wise through this. And life, like you just said, is long. So everything I learn at year 34, I can apply year 35, year 36, year 37, year 38, year 39. And now we're just clicking. At that point in time, you start setting your year up so that year starts off in a way that's going to be tax advantage. We got things going this way and that way and this way and that way. And that is a blessing, in my opinion. Um, I need a team. Like, And, and I kind of took it from uh, Nipsey Hussle. He's like, he said, I got a team at my bank. I don't even need an ID at my bank. And I was, so I was like, I got a team to do my taxes. <laughs> Ah uh, man, I tell you, like the, 
and you were saying like the reason companies like Amazon could pay little to no taxes is like they have a whole they'll have like at least a one whole floor of accountants and 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 tax specialists that all they do all day long is figure this stuff out while you sitting at home and you don't you really want to pay each and our block come on man reach look on Instagram for at M L M C P A. Let's get your taxes right. Pay a little change. You get a little change, man. Protect yourself. Make that money, fool. This episode was brought to you by REIT Money. The Total Capital course on investing in REITs. If you don't know what a REIT is, that's R-E-I-T, Real Estate Investment Trust. Usually, well, not usually, they always pay dividends. And for those of you who don't know, REITs are required by law to pay out 90 to 95% of all profits to the investors. So you might want to check that out. Some of them are pay monthly, such as, well, I'm not going to mention what I what I have. So check out REIT Money by Todd Capital. You can find that at toddcapital.co or you can find the link in the show notes. At all times. Pick it up, people. So like every other episode, this episode is brought to you by Todd Capital. It is brought to you by investasateam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth, where you can find the ever popular You Can't Fire Me, The Boss t-shirt. That is investasateam.com. By the way, buying product helps them to invest in affordable housing for the community. Also, check out GetLaceLaces.com, where you can get the brand new Todd Capital laces. Get your Todd Capital laces and, re- and re- represent Todd Capital for the community. Todd Capital is the army. Show the world. Get your laces at GetLacedLaces.com, because premium kicks need premium laces, baby. GetLacedLaces.com. I feel yeah. we don't have any more tweets. We done? That's it? Yeah, yeah man. You said we were going to make this one quick, man. You got things All to right, do. All right, for sure. You got you got It home. is late. I'm going to give them one more to, to take us out, but now we're just doing the sponsors. Get your natural body care items, lip balm, body butters at shoppurebodyco.com. Check it out. Check out gumroad.com slash tweet talk. And for episode 71 of Tweet Talk, we're going to leave you with one last tweet from Charles because it's time to boss up. Like Charles said, employee money ain't no money. <laughs> and with that, we bring episode 71 of Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast to a close. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Follow Charles at Todd Billion on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also, the Todd Capital business page at Todd.Capital. And the nonprofit at Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Episode 71 of Tweet Talk, Raphael and Charles. We are out. What's going on, podcast listeners? This is your man, Donald The Voice, the official editor and podcast producer. And listen, I just had to come in and tell you that we appreciate your listenership. And I want to give you a special offer for listening to this podcast. If you have voiceover, podcast, or video editing needs, let's talk. You can go over to DonaldTheVoice.com forward slash contact, and I'll be happy to talk with you about what you need and how I can serve you. You want to sound good and look good so that people can feel good and do good as a result of listening or watching your content. And I'm here to help you. You make that happen. So let's talk. Go over to DonaldTheVoice.com forward slash contact and we'll talk. Have a good rest of the day, evening, morning, whatever time it is. And I'll talk to you soon.